Praise the Lord. That should be every one of our desires, is for the Lord to be able to use us in whatever capacity He deems best, not what we think best, of course. Sometimes the way He sends us is not always our choice, is it? But it's perfect if we could just believe that. Let's turn to now, if you would, Revelation chapter 22. Chapter 22, verses 12 through verses 14. How many believes are going home? We got a new home waiting for us. I've lived in a few places in my life, in different places, in different states. And there's one thing I've found out that's pretty important as much as where you live and a house or apartment or trailer or whatever it is that you're living in. And that is the people who live by you. Now, you can have a really, really nice place. You can live in a nice house. Nice for you now. It can be everything that you want in a house and yet have bad neighbors, and they can ruin that whole experience for you. So some of y'all ain't never had bad neighbors, I suppose. Okay, don't look at me funny then. Well, I I received an email today from a brother in, in India who have Hindu neighbors. They built a church there several years ago. Let me restate that. You helped build a church there. And these Hindu neighbors go outside and draw their pagan gods on the dirt around their house. They attach banners to their, um, their house next to the church, just all kinds of things to taunt and torment these believers because they believe and preach the truth. So their building is really nice by Indian standards, really nice church. They preach the truth, have a wonderful atmosphere on the inside, but they have to deal with that on the outside. You say, what in the world has that got to do with what you're talking about? Because we're fixing to talk about our new home, and it'll have no bad neighbors. There'll be nobody living in your cul-de-sac that'll ever get up mad. You know, and they say fences make good neighbors. Well, in heaven, you won't need fences because there won't be no bad neighbors. So nobody will ever have a bad mood or nobody's trash will ever blow over on your yard or nobody's leaves on theirs. And you know how some people are. I don't care what you do. You'll never please them. No, they're as mean as the devil himself. But yet, it's important for us as we look into going to our new home, what type of people are going to be our neighbors? What kind of people are going to actually live inside this city as your closest friends and neighbors. You want to know? Yeah. All right. Here we go. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Now listen to verse 14 again. Blessed are they that do His commandments, 
that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. And we're going to ask God's blessings on the word. How many like to be remembered tonight before the Lord? God bless you. Just hold your request in your heart. Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads to the dust of the earth from whence we are taken and we are in gratitude in our hearts, Lord Jesus, we want to say we are so grateful that by your life you have raised us from dust to stars. And we know, Father, that our bodies one day will be changed and bear an image like unto yours, which will be even with a heavenly effigy or glory, which will be greater and brighter than any star in the universe not so much by heavenly luminosity, but by the glory of God, which has been shared with us by your own life. Father, you saw the hands that were uplifted here tonight. You see what they need, sickness in their homes. Lord, maybe psychological problems, problems in their finances with their children, on their jobs, whatever more. But God, we're asking you tonight in the name of Jesus that you be mindful. Lord, I hold in my hand tonight this prayer cloth. Dear Jesus, we know that our enemy is certainly rampant in the age that we're living with disease and sickness and trouble. Father, Sister Susan Brown's sister, you see the news and the report that she has received. Dear God, we ask you in the name of Jesus that you'd be merciful, Lord. May the Spirit of God, I pray, move for her. Lord God, we join our faith with them in this time of great need and ask you, Lord, that you'd come on the scene and help them, Father. As I preach tonight, Lord, with it in my pocket, I pray the Spirit of God would just go with her and help her faith and her family. Grant it, Lord God. Help me tonight, Jesus, that I can be able to get out of the way, Father, that I can just be a human instrument that's yielded to you. Take that part of yourself a gift. Anoint it, Father, to speak the words of life. Help us to be able to transcend mortality for just a little while while we ascend into heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Grant it, Father, we ask. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. And the saints said? Amen. God bless you. Turn and shake somebody's hand. Tell them, good to see you in church tonight. Brother Louie, I'm so glad you could be in church. Brother. Me too. I'm really glad. God bless you. You may be seated. So if the bride, the elect of God, someone in this Revelation 22 is going to have a right to the tree of life and be granted the privilege or the opportunity to enter into the gates into that city. It lets me know everybody will not be granted that right. Everybody will not enter into the gates of that city. Everybody will not have a right to eat of the tree of life. But there will be to some will actually be given not as a gift, but as a right. Now Jesus tells us well in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But he does not say the elect. 
So when we're dealing with salvation being a free gift, then we talk about John 3.16. But when we look at those that are the elect of God, they're not just given the gift of eternal life. They actually come back to a birthright. Now they do not remember it, of course. But they are part of that logos which went out of the eternal in the beginning. You cannot remember that any more than you can remember being imparted from the 23 chromosomes from your father mixing with the 23 from your mother and coming together in the field or the bedding ground of your mother. You have no memory of that at all. You have no memory whatsoever of your mother carrying you around, but yet God's Word says that you were a living being. Is that right? I told Jeremiah, I formed you in your mother's womb, and I knew you there. But can any of you remember being there? Of course you cannot. So our conscience, our memory is darkened, same way with being attributes of our Father. Our memory is darkened. Our conscience, our recollection is totally darkened to ever being a part of Him. But yet, according to the Word, we have a birthright given to us in the firstborn, which is the Lord Jesus. Now, being that we are a part of Him, we came from Him, and He came from the eternal. Now, we do not believe in two gods or three gods, but if thou believest in one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble, the Bible tells us. But we know that in him was the Word. The Word, of course, is in the form of Logos and in the form of Rhema. Logos is that which is written, that which the mind can be able to take and quote and memorize. And the Rhema Word is that part of the Word which becomes quickened by the Spirit of God. Satan can quote the Logos. Sinners can quote it. Church people can quote it. But only those who it's been quickened to by the Spirit of God can be able to take the Word and it become a rhema word in their life. That's what we live by. That's what the Word says. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema which proceeds out of the mouth of God. So it shows us it is more than just intellectual knowledge, but it's actually the quickened Word that becomes that which is really alive to us. Now, whenever John was writing these and these words, as we looked at it before, that it is actually a dialogue, Revelation 21 and chapter 22, is a dialogue back and forth between the angel of God and John the Revelator and the Lord Jesus. So it goes from the first person, of course, to the person, the angel, and then, of course, the third person is John being anointed to speak the word. But here we have it going to where that it is from the words of the Lord Jesus, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And then he says, blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life. So something is going to happen and has already happened by the time this is written in 96 AD that it is actually giving human beings on the earth the right to be able to partake of the tree of life. So we go back momentarily into the Garden of Eden and we find two great trees that are in the Garden of Eden and their branches were intertwined one to the other. 
Both of them were there for birth purpose. We also have another tree, which was called the man tree. And then we find, again, another tree, which was the woman tree. The tree of life is the tree of faith. It is the tree of that which proceeds from the eternal himself or God's own Zoe, God's own life. And then the other tree there, which was, of course, we know, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. From that also comes science. From that is the tree of knowledge of education, of ethics, and all that sort of thing. All of them have an effect on man in the Garden of Eden. And we know that God actually made the man's body outside of paradise, the Garden of Eden, and God placed the man inside the garden. So the garden became the dominion or the domain of man himself and his earthly body bears the image of that dominion. So he has a hand that looks like a bear and the elements, you know, certain things about his feet and his face and his features. So in his own body taken from the dust of the earth as the animals were. But yet he bore in him the supernatural image of Genesis 1.26. So there's a man in Genesis 1, a man in Genesis 2, and then the promise of the Redeemer man in Genesis 3. So God is going to make a way to where the man will be able to partake of the tree of life. Not on the basis now of gift alone. That it was something given to people which were not worthy or not part of the genos or genealogy of God. But to them, it will be a restored right. It will be something that God will bring them back to that which was theirs in the beginning. And we know we refer to it a lot, the story of the prodigal son, and many uh, preach it and have for decades, of course, that it is backsliders, and I, I can go that way to a degree. But in reality, we know the real setting of the prodigal son is not just a story of a backslider coming back to God, but it is actually the story of redemption of the elect being brought back into that place that they were before the world ever began. Right? Because the son was a son before he ever fell. That's exactly right. Now, many try to preach it as if though it is sinners coming to God and sinners giving their heart to God. But a sinner was never a son as far as being biologically or spiritually unless he had a part of God's DNA from the beginning. And God's the only one that can give that. Your mama may love you, your daddy may love you, and your pastor may love you, but nobody can give you that but God himself. So the the prodigal son, when he comes back to himself and he returns back to his father and he said, there's servants in my father's house that have it better than I do. So I'll go back to my father's house and I'll say, Father, I'm not even worthy to be your son. I'm not worthy to be called your son. But yet this was what he needed to do in order to approach the father with a broken and a contrite spirit. Then when the father sees him, of course, the father doesn't say, that's right, you dirty, low down dog and rotten, good for nothing you ain't worthy to come back but the father of course reaches out in mercy and he said this my son was dead but now he is alive this is my son he was in darkness but now of course you remember the story so it is a story of the redeemed or the elect which can be redeemed from what they were in back to what they were by thoughts in the mind of God so the right to the tree of life is a restoration to the elect for those that will live outside the city to them it will be a gift given to them by the grace and the mercy of God because the grace of God when
went beyond the Lamb's book of life, spilled over into the book of life, and would invite whosoever will, let them come and take of the water of life freely. Now, we'll get into it a little later, but in Revelation 22, we know the Bible says, the Spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that is a thirst come. Now, notice, it doesn't say that the Spirit and the bride and him that's a thirst say, come, but it says, the Spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that is a thirst not say, come, but let him come and take of the water of life freely. So it shows even in humanity there is a differentiation between those who have the voice of God and those who don't. Right, so the spirit and the bride say the same thing. But he that is the thirst, he has no right to say that. But he is given the opportunity that if he wants to come and take off the water of life, God said, well, come on. If you want to be saved, come on. If you go to hell, it'll be because you chose to do so. You can't blame it on election. You can't blame it on predestination. You can't blame it on nobody but yourself. Is that right? So God says then that there will be an elect humanity on the earth that will actually have the voice of God. They will be the voice of God, the final voice under their messenger because they've been quickened back to the new life, which is God's own life. Amen. They are not given then eternal life as a gift, which is something apart from who they are. But actually, it is a restored right. It is a restored position of sonship that they come back to that which they were in attribute form. Now, they don't remember it, of course, and they cannot ever recollect ever being there in the mind of God. But yet, there's something that once they get back into that spot, they will know they have arrived back home because there's something about it. So do everything you can do. Say whatever you want to say. You'll never be able to talk them out of that word because they are right back where they were in the beginning. So it's their position. Now, others who wish to be that, they can rise and fall and rise and fall and come and go and we've seen it go and we will, we will continue to deal with that until the very end. But we're talking about those who will not rise and fall and come and go. Once they are quickened, they're here to stay for forever. And what they have will actually outlast death, it will outlast sickness, it will outlast mortality, because once you ever receive the Holy Ghost on your soul, it is yours forever. You are sealed to the day of redemption. Oh, but what if I die? It has nothing to do with your soul. Your soul is still sealed in the presence of God. Now, naturally, when Satan saw man's position in the Garden of Eden, he didn't just want to be able to take paradise. He had no place at that time to be able to actually assume as his own. So he was cast out, as it were, into the abyss. And when the kingdom, the, the war began to break out in heaven, we know that's where sin actually began. When it broke out in heaven and the angels of God that were made, and we know that God made two categories of angels. One was elect and one was not elect. And the non-elect angels were created. They had a day they began. They were made and put in a probationary period as what man would be some millions of years or thousands of years later and the angels were actually put on that basis in that God created them and gave them access to a supernatural realm. They were created in a hierarchy. They were created in an order and the Bible calls it arche which is an order by which some are placed in a preeminent position. And we know that Lucifer was the right hand one next to the presence of God. Thou art the anointed 
anointed cherub, and I have set thee so. So God actually was going to make an enemy, but he cannot create sin, but God can create a being, make him almost like himself, and put that being on the ability where he can choose. Now, unlike animals and unlike botany life and plant life and all that, the angels do have this ability to choose, and so does Satan. We know that Satan actually does have a soul. And Satan sold sin, and he got lifted up because of his beauty. Oh my. Thinking that he was the greatest angel in heaven and this and that. And then of course God allowed him to move over in the north. It was nothing of course surprising to the, to the almighty God. He knew he would do it. And then he exalted himself above those angels and began to preach to them. Now those angels which are not eternal, those which are created in time, they were given the ability to be able to choose. So what did many of them do? They chose to rebel against the almighty. And the devil with his tail drew those third part of the stars and be able to draw them to himself. Is that right? Now, whenever God did that, then God had not created a domain by which Satan was able to go to. I mean, know oh, that the hell was created for the devil and his angels, but why even the devil wasn't even going to want to go live there long. But he wanted a domain. He was not actually allowed to come to the earth and have a kingdom. He was not actually able to go over in heaven. And there was one thing that God kept from him when he made him, and that was he was not a creator, so he could not create. So he come to the earth, and as he walked up and down the earth as the earth was being belched out from the volcanic explosions on the face of the earth and the prophet tells us that day on Calvary that he had marked up and down the earth and he stood there on the earth and whenever he did his footprints was left upon the earth him watching that father was giving a special care a special attention to the earth no doubt he watched as the father expanded his creation out of the heavens and he began to bring it into the chemistry as we know as far as atoms and light and molecules potassium, calcium, all these things. And he watched as God flung the stars out by his spoken word. And he put out hundreds of billions of them and he made universes and he made paths and patterns by which they would be able to exist. And he watched as God created this one in our cul-de-sac and this little part of the universe as we know. And he saw the Father as he gave this special little small dot as it were and what love and what care and what attention that he noticed the Father. And you know the there's something about it. Uh, the creation itself is absolutely marvelous, is it not? And the angels, the true angels of God and those that have fallen, they must have been marveled. As they marveled and watched the creator as expanded and he saw these great things as they come into existence and they, of course their master could not do such a thing. So Satan needed a place that he could call his own. Some place that he would be able to have a headquarters. And whatever God sets his heart toward is not sure to what Satan wants because he's a jealous being. And whatever God loves most is what Satan wants most. And people don't understand that sometimes. They look at people that are chosen by God and favored by God and many times people are jealous of that favor but they do not have a clue or an idea of the price that comes with that favor that that individual pays by being loved by God. You all know what I'm talking about? It comes with it. It's part of it because Satan hates anything that God loves. And he watched as the Father made this earth and he made it of a different color. It was not just the magnesium oxide and the iron and the other things that many of the other planets were made out of. But he noticed that it took this blue hue around it and he saw that it was going to be the blue planet. 
and he put water on it and he put something on it that he did not place on the moon and on Mars and Jupiter and uh, Arcturus and many of these other stars and that was the father put what he called an atmosphere and he had called it in the Genesis it was a firmament above the firmament of the earth and he placed this up around the earth and of course later we would call it ozone it was those gases which would allow humanity botany life animal life to be able to live on the earth oh don't you love our father he placed his atmosphere on the earth it was going to be something that would allow life later on to be able to exist no doubt the angels of God and by now the fallen angels as they were watching him as he brought this into creation and they saw plants and they saw millions of species of animals they saw thousands of species of butterflies they saw colors they saw hues of blues and greens and they saw the peacocks they saw all of these things on the earth and they must have absolutely marveled as they saw the spoken word of the creator as he brings it into existence and Satan knows already the man is not even there yet and there's not even a garden of Eden yet but yet Satan knows already this place is a special place because of all the other ones that he saw God made there was nothing quite like this and where did it come from? It come from the love, this is now from the very heart of Adonai. So we see from the very heart of God do the other planets have their, 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 their purpose? Of course they do. And of course he placed this one exactly in the galactic circle out on the universe where from where we are it's amazing whenever the scientists and astronauts and all go out and they go beyond our atmosphere to a different angle by which their spaceship will fly and they begin to look at the constellations and the stars and they look totally different. They do not see the same patterns of the constellations and the stars that we do being here on the earth. Why? Because the great father that made them made them so the great board of the constellation of his stars would be the most visible and portray the most excellent story looking at it from the earth. So you look at it from Mars, it looks totally different. You look at it from Jupiter, you look at it from the earth, it would look totally different. So right here is the perfect platform by which we can look up at what God has made and then we're able to see the zodiac, the constellations, the stars. Why? Because this is the area that he wanted it seen most from. Don't you understand? Your provided place in the word of God for the hour when you're sitting in that place, the very constellation as it was of the word makes more clear sense than anybody else on the earth. They can be reading from the same Bible. They can be going to church just as faithful as you do and yet they look at that Bible and to them it does not make the same sense. It does not reveal the same stories. It's where you're standing is what makes it so clear to you. It's not because you're this and that and the other and you're a great person and you're, it has nothing to do with us as far as human beings. It's where the Almighty has placed us, amen. Our galactic center as it was is placed in Christ Jesus and we're sitting in the proper place in heavenly places in the last day under the illumination of Malachi 4. 
under that illumination from where we look back and when we read the Bible, it's the very same Bible, same King James that was released in 1611, the same one Luther read, same one Wesley read, same one Calvin, Knox, Finney, Hamlin, many of those men read, but why didn't they see what you see? It's where you're standing and the light of the illumination of God that shines upon it and you look and say, my goodness, why can't people see that? It's as plain as the nose on your face. Well, it's because of where you're standing in Christ Jesus that your position has been illuminated. You remember before you got here, you couldn't see it either. Well, praise the Lord. You had just as much election in you when you was in the Baptist as you do here tonight. You're no more elected tonight when you was, when you was a Pentecostal or a Nazarene or a drunk. Is that right? But what is it that makes a difference? The difference is where you are standing in the word. And when Satan looked at that and all mine must have just overwhelmed his being and thinking within himself, now I've got to have this place. I've got to be able to have myself a headquarters. So he had to faithfully and patiently as it were watch for the almighty to unfold the further steps as the expansion of his mind comes into view. Because what we're doing is standing on the brink of eternity and watching eternity as it unfolds into time and when it comes out of eternity into time it picks up light meters, it takes calcium, it takes potash, it takes petroleum, it takes cosmic light it takes all of that into a material realm because the almighty wanted to become tangible himself remember God's not an old man that sits up there in heaven but Jesus said God is a spirit Paul said, told Timothy, now unto him that is invisible, immortal, the only wise God, be dominion and power and glory forever and ever, right? So God is not like an old man sitting up in heaven and Jesus, his young boy, is sitting over in a small chair beside him. No, the eternal is, was, and always will be invisible. But he wanted to become tangible. He wanted to become visible. So he's allowing himself to express himself in the form of creation in the form of heavenly objects. And then he expands that creation, of course, upon the earth. And God, the great almighty, condescended to such a place that he would create a one-cell animal in the water. And then he would come to a little ant and he would come to a mouse. And it was like he was learning more all the time. It wasn't that he was, but like he was learning more, a form of spiritual evolution. And he kept creating higher forms of life, higher forms of life. And the atom splits and divides and the nucleus divides and my, here it comes by the spoken word and the plants are becoming more into the image of what he wants them to be and then Satan can't do one thing about it he just stands there and watches it all them fallen angels just stand there and watch it because Satan can't create a peach, he can't create an apple he can't create a mouse because Satan is not a creator hallelujah so he had to watch as the almighty God and then when God, oh, when he reached the height of this and God laid it all out through the expanse of the millions of years that he went to do it. And remember, the Bible tells us in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, period. That might have been millions of years or hundreds of millions of years. And I know some of you are thinking, oh my, no, it ain't been 6,000 years old. Oh no, you need to reread your Bible. The order of the cosmos of this world order in the present stage that we know 
it now is only 6,000 years old but the earth itself holds many geological records and that is in the strata of the earth's rock and stone and dirt and so on well praise the Lord y'all didn't know you was going to get a geology class and a science class and all kinds of mathematician and all that did you tonight well God is the original creator of original true science that's right so Satan had to watch as the Almighty began to expand and unfold this creation on there. Oh, it must have been absolutely wonderful. As he filled the earth with great dinosaurs and T-Rex and all these things that have existed on the earth. I mean, no, the earth bears in her geological record all of this past. And there it is, as it was, wonderful, tremendous. And yet the height of God's creation was not reached until he brought forth a man. And God said, let us make man in our own image, after our own likeness, and after the image of God made he them. And then well, of course we know that God did not say let us make man in our images as in plural but let us make man in our image which father, son, spirit and flesh visible and invisible realm. So God made man of course in the visible and invisible realm the invisible realm first and then in chapter 2 the visible realm the same with us tonight those of us that are truly born again the same Lord God that said that to Adam at the beginning said the same thing about you at the same time. As I said, you don't remember it, but God said, let us make man. Not one, but let us make man. When God spoke that, every seed of God was in his mind at the same time Adam was. Adam was the only one that he expressed first, but all the elect of God were right there in him as well then. Well, praise be to God. How in the world, friend, can the devil ever stop one of those attributes from being born again in this world? Oh, but Brother Don, it looks awful. It may look awful. It may look bad. But which is the greater, awful or the almighty? Now, you can spend your time talking about how bad it is, how much trouble we're having, and we are, and there's trouble everywhere. But I'm here tonight to tell you there's some positive things going on for the people of God. There's some great things happening for the elect of God. Amen. Now, when God did this, of course, he had a great plan that was going to unfold. Now, remember, he wants to bring himself on down further into existence because of the Logos coming out of the eternal. It's still not a body by which God can be able to still break down in what he wants to become. So he places the man on the earth made in the future image of the coming of the Lord Jesus, the just one. And he places that man in the Garden of Eden. Had he left him there in spirit form, the man could have never fallen. But he brings the man to a state of condescension speaking of his own being coming upon the earth and he himself brings the man down and humbles the man from Genesis 1:26 to the man of Genesis 2 and that is he puts the spirit being inside of a human body and we can all bear witness tonight we're still bearing a witness of that tabernacle of humiliation I'll tell you one thing there ain't nothing that'll embarrass a human being any more than the body they live in well, praise God. Some of y'all think you're just so handsome and some of you women might think you're so beautiful and some of you may think you're so smart and you're so educated. I'll tell you what, your old body is the worst humiliation you'll ever bear. Even filled with the Holy Ghost tonight, your body and your flesh is, gets in your way, does it not? Why? Because it still bears the mark of the fallen earth. 
Now God's tree of life, of course, is placed in the Garden of Eden, but the way to the tree of life and the understanding, the knowledge, the perceiving of how to get to the tree was not yet revealed. The tree could not be partaken of until the tree was made flesh, which is some centuries down the road. But yet God allowed it so, to be so, to where that it could appear as if though the tree of life could be partaken of. God even goes so far to set cherubims with a flaming sword to protect the way to the tree of life. That God himself knowing it's not like the tree was a natural tree and you could walk over there and be able to pluck a leaf off of the tree and eat of the tree of life and you'd be able to live forever. Now God knew that and God also had the great prophet Moses to write it in such a way that the great intellects of the ages would look right over the top of the mystery of the bloodline because the mystery of God is hid in Christ and we know that the bride was hid in the groom until Calvary but then the groom is hid in the bride after Pentecost. So it's always been the hiding of the mystery or the revealing of the light of God of what God's doing because if Satan finds it out, remember we're talking about an angel that stood in the presence of God. So God can say it and the devil can hear it but he still can't understand it. You know how blessed you are to be able to hear the word of God and understand what God does? You understand that the devil has heard preaching for thousands of years and he still don't comprehend what it's all about? And here you are sitting in Christ Jesus' seal by the baptism of the Holy Ghost and God whispers these secrets to his bride and the devil's right there in church scratching his head thinking, what are they shouting about? What in the world are they hollering about? I don't understand it. Exactly right. He ain't a son. You are. He's not an heir. You are. Amen. Hallelujah. Now you imagine when the Almighty knowing in his great being that the man must fall, but he cannot make the man fall and be just. So he places the man on a basis of free moral agency, not to be a son or not be a son. That was not Adam's free moral agency. God didn't say, all right, Adam, the day you eat thereof, that day you'll go to hell. The day you eat thereof, that day you'll turn into a son of the devil. Does the Bible say that? Of course it does not. Free moral agency had nothing to do with him or you choosing not to be a son of God or to be a son of God. If you're an attribute of God's thinking, that's not even your choice. How could either of my daughters choose whether they wanted to be born of me and their mother? Did any of you choose your father? Did any of you choose your mother? Or your brothers? Or your sisters? Praise God. Why? Because you were in them. Amen. Amen. I had no choice. Well, I made up my mind one day. Praise God. I want to be a son of God. Trash. Nonsense. Tommy Rod of the devil. God made up his mind before you ever was a thought, hallelujah, in your mother's mind, in your daddy's mind. You were an attribute of almighty God. You were called, you were chosen, you were elected in him before the world ever began. It shouldn't be a marvel then to you when there is no more devil, you still will be. Because before there ever was a devil, you was. Amen. Before there ever was a devil, you was. And when there ain't no more devil, you still will be. 
the Father places this in the Garden of Eden. Places the man tree, the woman tree, the tree of life, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And of course we know the partaking of the tree of knowledge of good and evil was under a symbol form. It was not that Eve reached over and got a hold of an apple or a peach or a pear and took a big bite out of that and all of a sudden her eyes come open and she realized she didn't have no clothes on. So if that's the way it was, we certainly need to pass the apples again. Bushels of them. Well, praise the Lord. But it was not that, but she partook of, understood, and by partaking of this tree of knowledge, it empowered her of the way God had made her. Under the veil of innocence, she did not know, she did not understand, she did not relate to the power of her sex. Oh, somebody's going to get quiet on me, but I'm going to tell you the truth, the truth of it anyway. But once she partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, then she become enlightened to her shape, her design, her anatomy, and she learned how to use it. Come on, friends, open your eyes. Look out on the streets. Well, hallelujah. It was not God that did that, but it was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life would have kept the veil of innocence peeled over her eyes, and she would have never come to that spot. But yet she chose to see what sex was really all about. Now, don't say here and look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. You think I'm an ignoramus? You think I know your children didn't come with spoken word? You ain't gonna let on lie to me now. All you fathers spoke them children into existence. I know better. You had your children the same way I had mine and everybody else. Come on, don't sit there and look at me like you've got a bunch of angelic wings. Y'all taking your wings and putting over your faces. You're embarrassed. But it's the truth. And what did God do? God allowed it to be thus. This is why people to this very day still don't fully understand and comprehend the purpose of the virgin birth. Why in the world would you need a virgin birth? Because it was the fall of a virgin ill. It was a fall of a virgin in the Garden of Eden that allowed the devil to project himself into the human stream. So what must God do? God must bring another virgin on the earth by which he can project himself, not by carnal knowledge, hallelujah, but by creation, the creator would bring forth out of her his own image, the tree of life, the son of God. Amen, amen, hallelujah. Oh, praise be to God. So what did God do? He created himself inside the womb of this woman. A woman was what led to the fall. God will use a woman to bring it back. That was the first Eve. But Mary was not the second Eve. God never calls her the second Eve. But there's going to be one. Now there has already been one in existence. And there's one tonight. Now you're not Mary. Praise the Lord. But you are Eve. Now Eve being a female had the potential to receive two kinds of seed. And she brought forth two kinds of boys. Our message being female, well, praise the Lord, being mother, has the ability to give birth to twins. 
Is that right? And we have every message has done so down through the ages. But our twin does not change the truth of who we are. It only tells us who they are. That's right. It does not change our parentage. It does not change our DNA. And God knew this, of course, but God purposed within himself to have an Eve. And of course, he gave birth to her on the day of Pentecost. Now, whenever the Spirit of God come in the Lord Jesus, and it was the fullness of the attribute of God living in him, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, as Paul said in Colossians 1.15, also Colossians 2.9, he was the fullness of the Godhead bodily, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Also, great is the mystery of God in this God was manifest in the flesh justifying the spirit seen of angels preached unto the Gentiles God did right so here was God made manifest on the earth it is God bringing the tree of life back to the earth now in this package will come the aspect of the free gift of eternal life which we hear preached so much in the churches today in that package is the free gift of eternal life given to those who are not of his kind and this is why their songs are filled with I don't know why he loved me I'm not worthy I'm not good enough well they're singing exactly true to who they are but God in the place of where you're standing ought to help illuminate us to help us to see it to us it is not a free gift beyond who we are but it is a restoration of truly who we are there is a great difference so to the elect of God it is not that God is going to one day give them eternal life but if you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost tonight in your soul you already have eternal life living in you well let me go one step farther when you took the breath of life as a human on this earth the representation of the spiritual DNA of God was in you when you took of the breath of life now you were not born again when you were born you were not born filled with the Holy Ghost when you were born but you were born with the deposit Amen. The claim was already made. Well, that ought to make a Baptist feel like shout. The deposit was already there. It may go decades. It may go years and years before that seed laying dormant in your heart will become quickened by the Holy Ghost, which produces the new birth. What does it do? It starts the image of God working from within your soul, and God is working from within and working himself out. This is what the new birth does. And this is what the message of the hour being synchronized with our new birth produces in us. It is the new birth from the soul out. Praise God. In Genesis 1, it was from the inside working out. God placing the spiritual man first, and then what does God do? God now begins the same way, working on the spiritual man to give you and I a new birth, and then it works its way out. You quit dressing like the world. You quit talking like the world. You quit listening to the world. Come on now, saints. You quit listening to their worldly music and behaving like the world because that new birth is working its way out. Well, God don't care what I look like. God don't care what I look like. Well, I agree with with you. There's people on the earth that God don't really care what they look like, but he does care what his wife looks like. Now these women at Walmart and these women out here in the world, they can dress however they want, they can do whatever they want, but I do care how my wife looks. All the rest of these women out here ain't my wife, so if they want to, you know, dress however they want, that's entirely up to them. But my wife better not do so because she belongs to me. Well, hallelujah. They can act like the 
get one dressed like they want, do whatever they want, but God wants his bride to dress a certain way, look a certain way, talk a certain way, fly a certain way, <laughs> so in heavenly places, see a certain way, and that's why position placed you in the message of the hour of Luke 17, 30, Revelation 10, 1 to 7, Malachi 4, so from your position in the word, you'd be able to see the 144,000, you'd be able to see Israel, you'd be able to see the church ages, you'd be able to see election, other people look right at it and they scratch their head, they can't figure it out, they can't understand it to you, you're saying, really? You're saying, really? You cannot see that? Don't get all proud, don't get all boastful and arrogant, it's the grace of God that placed you where you are, it's the mercy of God that placed you where your eyes can see what they see, you have nothing to brag about, I have nothing to brag about, but I can only brag on my Lord Jesus. So the tree of life becomes a person. So we find the tree of life in the garden of Gethsemane. And we find the tree of knowledge in the garden of Gethsemane. You imagine how he must have tempted him. How he must have talked to him. Now you said you're beloved of the Father. And here you are crying, shaking. I thought you was the son of God. You're afraid, aren't you? You're afraid. According to the book of Hebrews, he feared death. As a man, Jesus trembled and shook. As a man, he did not want to die. Well, praise the Lord, saints. But you see, it's all part of the father's drama. The mystery is hid in the weakness of humanity. So it projects the hidden mystery as if though it is so weak. And the devil looks at it as just another mortal. As just another mere man that is immersed so deep in humanity. Oh sure he can walk on water, he can raise the dead and do this and that. But when it comes down to dying... He's like any other man. He trembled the way that Abel did. He trembled the way that Moses did. He shook the way that all the other mortals. Now here we are. Now we see who you are. No, you didn't, devil. So it's the tree of life embodied and buried so deep into humanity that the human part, because remember, he's going to become a high priest. And that high priest must feel fear. That high priest must feel anxiety. He must feel sorrow. He must even ask, why? Why? My God, my God, why? Any of y'all ever ask, Why? Why this and why that and how come this and how come that? You know, God doesn't necessarily get aggravated at us whenever we say why. What really upsets him is the attitude we say it in. Now, when we go to getting an attitude and we go to saying why, God has a problem with it. 
But if we say, why God, please help me to understand. Lord, I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on. The Lord Jesus knew the word. He knew exactly what the word said. He knew Isaiah 53. He knew Isaiah 7, 14, 9, 6, Isaiah 35, 3. He knew all the prophecies given to him of the word. And yet here is a man, he still comes back. My God, my God, Eli, Eli, lay me some back tonight. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He knew the answer to that. That answer laid in the word. Why is he questioning why? He allowed himself not only to say why, but to feel why. There is a difference in saying why and and feeling why. Y'all ever felt why? Why me? How come me? I don't understand why my family, why the church, why our pastor, why has my sister got this? Why has my brother got that? There is a, a deep, intense feeling that comes with why. And the Lord Jesus allowed himself to feel why. Why hast thou forsaken? Let's stand. Hello. Where does that time go? Here I brought 45 pages of notes and scriptures to church and men got on page one. Lord Jesus, you've done a mighty work. (laughs) Wow. Do you know where we have just been? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Praise be to God. Excuse me while I catch my breath. (laughs) Glory be to God. Let's bow our heads together. Oh gracious Father. How we love you tonight, Lord. How we thank you, Father God, for taking us on this precious, wonderful journey. Hallelujah. Back to the eternal. Down through time. Oh, Lord Jesus, I pray you'd speak to every heart tonight. Father, for some here who have not yet come to that spot in you, yet they have a predestinated position awaiting for them to arrive. May this be the very night they will connect with their position. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, maybe they've never truly received the Holy Ghost to quicken them. to become that attribute brought to life. May this be the night the Spirit of God passes by our way. Maybe there's some Lord that's just discouraged and sick and down and they're born again. But yet, Father, the troubles and the burdens of life become so difficult that they don't know what to do sometimes. Help them to see it's that enemy again trying to rob them of their leaves, rob them of their bark and their sap and their life and the fruit of their life. 
If Satan cannot steal us away from your presence and break that seal, however it is that he understands when a person is sealed, his next goal will try to be afflict us or to keep us where we're robbed of fruit bearing. And we're still a tree and we still have life but we have hardly no fruit. And then he likes to accuse us before your throne. So look at there at him or her. Oh yeah, they're yours. Yeah, I can see that. But look at them. Their joy is gone. Their peace is gone. Their happiness is gone. They're as bare as bare can be. Lord Jesus, help us tonight. May we have a revival of fruits, Father. Praise God. As we looked at it Wednesday night, Lord, when Aaron's rod was brought into your presence. Hallelujah. I don't know if Aaron even knew for sure what kind of rod he had. Because you know, historically, as we looked at it, those rods were passed down for generations. His rod could have been hundreds of years old. He might not have even known that that trace of it might have been forgotten from one generation to the other. That it was a dogwood or an almond or whatever kind of tree. Praise God. But when Moses packed it into the tabernacle, he carried it to the outer court. No life, no blooms, no buds, no almonds. He passed it into where the menorah was, the seven candlesticks or the seven church ages. Passed it by the table of shewbread. Still no buds, no blooms, no almonds. But when he packed it in, and he couldn't just pack it in and in a moment, but he had to pack it in and leave it. Lord, what a testimony to us as your people. We can't rush in and get what we want and rush back out. Sometimes we have to be willing to wait for a little bit. Just wait in your presence. Lord, instead of us demanding it, we want it now. We got microwave ovens and drive-through restaurants and people. Now I understand, Lord, there's even drive-through churches for people who live in fast life. And they got drive-by funerals. So they tilt the body in a casket, put it in a glass thing, and let people drive by and view the body because they're in such a hurry. So we got drive-through funerals, and we got drive-in churches and microwaves, and you're still making Christians the way you've always made them, the slow way. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Lord Jesus, may we find ourselves in the presence of God tonight. It may not happen tonight. It may not happen in the morning. It might be next week before a little bit of joy starts coming back or a little bit of peace. But Father, help us not to take the rod out of the presence of God too quickly. Granted, I pray, Lord. We love you, Lord Jesus. Would you minister to your saints tonight, Father? Praise be to God. Don't you love him, saints? Now, the Bible tells us that Moses took the rod of God. Moses did not have the rod of Levi, but Moses had the rod of God. 
When God comes to the earth, he's going to prove which one is his. So he allowed the tree to die, to be put in a tomb, so he could raise it from the dead. So the man tree, Christ Jesus, was laid upon the rock. Amen. On that tree is the identity of the bride tribe. We're not the tribe of Levi, we're not Issachar, we're not Zebulun, we are the bride tribe. The tribe of God, amen. We're not foolish virgin, we're not whosoever will, we're the bride tribe. And his name was written on the bride tribe. Amen, when he got up, we got up with him. In three stages, as it was with Aaron's rod, so was it within three days, God quickened his rod, Christ Jesus. Out of the rod or the stem of Jesse shall come forth one who will bring life. Out of him within three stages or three days when he got up out of the grave, praise God, you got up with him. Again, you don't remember it, but you was there. Praise be to God. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Then what are you? The bride tree, the second Eve. Being brought back as four death messengers cut the tree of life, the Eve tree down, down to the apostolic ages. So four life messengers will restore it. Amen. Justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost and the word. The fourth light brings the word. The fourth light brings the word. Remember, four is the number of earthly deliverance. Pray, well, some of y'all are looking at me really peculiar tonight. What man was it in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? The fourth man. The fourth man. Amen. Luther had a great move. Wesha had a great move. Pentecost had a great move. But it was the fourth light that brought the bride right under the spiritual constellation of the stars where she could look up into heavenly places. Amen. Why? Do we preach justification? Yes, but in a higher plane than Luther did. Luther preached the just shall live by faith, but it didn't mean to him what it means to me. He preached justification, but when I preach it under the opening of the invisible union, I don't just preach it that I was a sinner coming to God to be justified, but I preach justification under the opening of the seven seals, which tells me I never did it in the first place. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sanctification in a higher plane. Pentecost in a higher plane. Not just the restoration of gifts and emphasizing on emotion, but leading to the final climax, the word. The word made flesh in a bride. Praise be to God. Look, friends, we're not interested in making Reaganites. We're not interested in making little Branhamites. We're interested in making images of the living God. Now, you tell me, dogs give birth to, cats give birth to, horses give birth to, So if God ever gave birth, what would he give birth to? A piece of junk? A piece of trash that could be saved today, lost tomorrow? He gave birth to God's. (laughs) 
I know, I know, that's heavy duty. I realize that, but this is where we are. It's time that we get under the stellar constellation of God so we can look up into the stars and not just see Moses. I don't want to just see Elijah. I don't want to just see the Lord Jesus. And I do. I don't want to just see Brother Bradham. But I want to find my place up there. I want to find where I am. Amen. When she recognizes who she is, that's when the rapture will go. You've seen Brother Bradham's place will never give you rapturing faith. One day it will hit you, and when it does, your body won't be able to take it no more. Let me read this to you, and we'll pick it up in the morning. Well, let me, let me rephrase that. We'll try to pick it up in the morning. Now, the first he got to eating on this fruit of the tree, let's picture a big tree of God's tree, bearing nine spiritual gifts. They're healing the sick. They're speaking in tongues. They're casting out devils. They're doing great works and preaching the unadulterated word of God. No denomination to time down. They're free doing a great work. So in come this little old devil sitting up there with two horns, sitting up in front like a grasshopper. This little old greedy teeth, that's his first, the palm worm. He come in to eat off brotherly love. And he said, you know, so-and-so did so-and-so and so-and-so's church. I wouldn't believe that bunch of people. See, there he is. Next, he wanted to eat on the fruit of faith. Fruit, faith in the word. He's still eating on that one, brother. Aren't you glad the Holy Ghost is here to stop him? Is he trying to eat on your faith? Well, how can you believe that? Well, how do you know that? How can you prove? There's a lot about God I can't prove. I don't serve God by proving. I serve God by believing his word. Well, how can you do that? Well, you've got to believe something. You either believe there is or you believe there ain't a God. You believe there's a heaven or you don't believe there's heaven. You're still believing something. Every sinner tonight believes something. So if I'm going to choose to believe, I'm going to believe the truth. Oh, praise God. Let's sing something together, Harry. Ah, your next door neighbors. Guess what they are? Stars. Ah, stars. You see, God gave Abraham the parallel when he said, go out there and count the sand to the sea. That'll be your seed. Then God brings him to a higher revelation. He said, now once you look up this way, I want you to count them stars from dust to stars. That's the mystery of your journey. You started out as dust, but you wind up as stars. Oh, not like Hollywood movie stars, because most of them's going to hell. But I'm talking about a real star, a real star that'll outlive time, that'll outlive mortality. Don't you love him with all your hearts? Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. The one is through those millions of stars out there by His word. There is none. Let's worship him just a little bit now. Hallelujah. I worship you. 
Hallelujah. Oh, Prince of Peace. Why? you raise your hands in his presence make your request known you're sick and you need healing that mighty God is right here Adonai, the Almighty, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, great creator of heavens and earth, hallelujah, we adore you tonight, we bless your name, we exalt you mighty God, hallelujah, praise your name Jesus, hallelujah, let's just close our eyes now. Let's just lay our troubles aside if we can. Don't think about how bad your problems are, but think about how big your father is. How wonderful, how mindful. Casting all your cares on him, for he cares for you. Why would you bear that burden of fear? Why would you bear that burden of sorrow? Jesus already bore it for you. Yes, Lord, for you are my righteousness. I worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Almighty God. Thank you, Lord.
just raise our hands let's just take a few more minutes before we go Kim. oh my friends what he's done in our lives what he has done for us and the way he has moved for us and all the prayers he's answered all the many times he's come on the scene when it looked like it was totally impossible oh praise God thank you Lord Jesus let me just go ahead and tell you tonight your future is looking great Laodicea is looking worse every day it's looking worse for America. I just read this week where Putin said that they're fixing to start making some new bombs that America will have nothing to compare with. And I thought, well, you know what? I feel sorry for America, but it ain't going to affect me because I'm going to be gone. Amen. Praise be to God. Is that right? You can look for me all you want to, but when you look for me, you ain't going to find me because I'm going to be gone in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Why? I'm in the right cellular position to see and hear the call of the rapture. If man has developed communications by which they can remotely control a satellite which is millions of miles beyond the earth and tell that satellite where to go and how to do this and bend its you know, panels and this and that and the other, how much greater is the communication of Almighty God with a son or daughter of God? We shall be changed. Let's sing it together before we prepare to go, shall we? Amen. Oh, praise God. Amen. Oh, we shall.
shall be changed. Oh, we shall be changed. Changed from this mortal to immortality. In the twinkling of service in the morning, Lord willing, at 11, come back expecting the Lord to move to my, my, tonight was a great time, but I figure we'll be hungry again tomorrow. Yes, Amen. You coming with an expectation in your heart? Brother Joel, would you come and help us sing it, buddy? Going to come with an expectation in your heart tomorrow? Yes. Amen. Ain't no reason in the world, friends, why we can't have good meat and every time we come to the house of God. Well, there got to be downtime, says who? Says who? Who says it has to be in the law? Who says the supernatural can't be among us every night? Who says God can't move, speak, and absolutely come in his presence every night? He says there's two or three gathered together and my name, I'll be in their midst. I'm going to take him at his word. Amen.
life is sure to bring comfort. Do y'all have this comfort? I'll soon be gone. As God gives me grace, I'm gonna stay, gonna fight, gonna run this race until I see my Savior face, face, face to face. Because of that, I know I'll see my Savior. 